This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to The Straits Times' Big Story podcast where we analyse key issues with our journalists and guest experts. Christian and Muslim leaders in Singapore met this morning to reaffirm the mutual trust and understanding between the two religious communities. They also condemned the plot by Protestant Christian youth to attack Muslims at two mosques here. Well, let's talk more about this with our Singapore editor, Zakia Hussein. Welcome, Zakia. So, the fact that Muslim and Christian leaders, they met today, does it underscore the severity of this particular case? I think, I think it does. You know, the fact that um, this case, this was a student whose plans were very much um, well-formed. Mm. You know, if he was not detected, he might have made further preparations um, bought the knife, uh, you know, in preparation for his attack uh, on the two mosques in the Woodlands area. Um, and I think even the news of his arrest sent shockwaves through um, both, I think, Christian and Muslim communities, but also among other religious leaders. And I thought it was significant that this morning the president of the National Council of Churches, um, you know, paid a visit to Yusuf Ishaq Mosque and I think met the Mufti and several other Muslim and mosque leaders there. And um, also joining them was uh, Mr. Shanmugam. And, and I think they, they all gave the assurance that, look, this, this form of hatred has no place in, in any religion and, and, and definitely not in Singapore. And at the same time, that it's important to continually work to ensure two things, that um, the young, um, that religious leaders um, educate the young, that it, you know, it's, it's wrong to, to um, hate any faith or any religion. Mm-hmm and also to be mindful of what they come across on the internet where it was clear the student was radicalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the second point is that had this attack been, you know, had this attack been carried out, it would have done considerable harm to religious harmony because I think people would, you know, you, you could see retaliatory attacks and you could see, I think, a dip in, in um, people basically... Uh, questioning those of other faiths. Right. And what about this case is most uh, troubling to you, Zakir? Because you mentioned, you know, uh, he's young, it's his age. You know, whether is it his, his age or is it the speed at which he was radicalised or even his readiness uh, to die in the attacks? Or, or, or is it something else completely? I think it's a combination of everything. I think the age is particularly shocking. He's the youngest uh, terror detainee to date. Um, the speed at which he's radicalised, certainly, you know, um, it seems the Nice attack uh, by a militant in France somehow just radicalized him and, and within a month um, you know, leading up to his arrest before he was uncovered, um, he had made fairly advanced preparations including planning his route, um, procuring a tactical vest, uh, thinking about you know, putting stickers and, and where to fit a mobile phone on his vest so he could record his attack, as well as uh, looking around for, for, for weapons. He, he didn't succeed, but he considered using an assault rifle, you know, explored joining the Singapore Rifle Association. Um, and when he realized that it would be impossible to, to get a rifle, he decided, you know, actually then explored using TATP explosives mm. to um, make a bomb, decided too risky. And then that was when he started shopping for sort of, you know, machetes or parang-like equipment online. And he did not purchase, but he had identified the $190 Smith & Wesson machete, kind of, you know, saved it in his online cart on Carousel, mm. um, and, and was confident that he could save up enough to buy it by then. Right. And not only that, of course, you know, he had mapped out the route. Yes. The yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Right. Okay. That, that's quite troubling, I think. Right. And also, I think then the speed at which he was radicalized—that that's quite yeah. startling. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mr. Shamugam, you know, he flagged a worrying trend yesterday that seven young people under 20 years old have been arrested under mm-hmm. the ISA since 2015 after getting radicalized through the internet. So, mm-hmm. Zakia, why do you think more young people are getting radicalized, especially through online forms? Yeah. I think I think this is a very different generation. Um, you know, you could say perhaps COVID-19 and, and you know, the, the push towards home-based learning kind of saw more people spending time online. Um, what ISD said uh, last night was basically the student kind of um, spent a lot of time on the internet from their investigations. And perhaps that was, you know, what, what led him. And he also had a propensity for gore and violent material. In fact, that was how he stumbled upon the incendiary ISIS videos, followed by the Christchurch attacker, um, the Christchurch terrorists, um, live streaming of the attack, which is still around, followed by um, the man's manifesto. And I think one thing leads to another. And I think, I think, I think that's troubling. I age... In a way, I guess young people, maybe because they're more impressionable, maybe because they've got uh, limited or less exposure to other influences or moderating influences, mm. um, I think all these play a part in, in contributing to his, um, to how you know he, he suddenly uh, changed his beliefs and, and became radicalized. But at the same time, he was also aware of what he was doing. It was not something he spoke about with his friends mm. or even his immediate family. No one, in fact, knew that he was he was. Um, he was acting alone. alone he was acting alone. Right? He alone was a lone wolf. wolf. Yeah. And I think that, I think, was also the case in, in the previous terror-related arrests. You know, these were folks who had stumbled upon extremist or radical material in their search for information or, or just because they were looking up stuff. Yeah. And one thing leads to another. And I think without moderating influences, you know... Um, and I think that, this, uh, that that was something the religious leaders appeared to have discussed today when they met as well. How, how do we... It's not a challenge limited to a particular faith, I guess. In a way, it's 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 a challenge limited to all young people. Um, you could be an environmentalist. You could be, you know, a radical driven by some other cause. Uh, how do you um, avoid going online and being sucked into something, uh, you know, that that leads you down this rabbit hole where you actually want to plan an attack? What more then can government do? You know, should the monitoring? Uh also begin in schools and at home yeah. at an even younger age because that is something that uh, Reverend, Reverend Lai brought up as well yes, uh, this yeah. morning. He talked about uh, the onus is on the community That's right, and yeah. schools and, and at home as well. Yeah. And, I think I, and I think it's a very valid concern. I think, and I think most parents would rightfully be concerned and believe, feel that uh, perhaps you should uh, know um, what your child is uh, browsing or surfing on the internet. Um, likewise for schools, right? Um, every student has their personal learning devices, and I think it is perhaps fair, or, or, or um, that you know, there's some there's some limits to what can be accessed on them. Uh, I think I think one one bigger concern, and I think this beyond schools, but also in society, um, should governments and should authorities uh, be more proactive in um, blocking extremist material from being accessed on the internet. Um, it, this, this was something that's, that's been going on for several years now, right? Um, Facebook and 
And we see that recently. I mean, Twitter blocked uh, Donald Trump's yeah. accounts because he was seen as instigating the Capitol rioters and, mm. and spreading falsehoods. But it did so in the sort of dying days of his presidency. Um, maybe a case of too little, too late. Yeah. Um, I see no reason why uh, material like um, the live stream video of the Christchurch attack should continue to be online. Mm. Right? I think, I think YouTube uh, should take that down. Yeah. Yep, or, or other hosting sites. Um, but the nature of the internet is again one where this material keeps popping up and if you search enough, you could, you could find it. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it does make a difference if, say, such um, videos uh, you know, are not available on search engine. The, the attacker's manifesto continues to be available mm -hmm. on the internet, mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that, that's, that's a worrying thing. So I think tech companies need to do much, much more to stop the spread of such material. Yeah. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.